Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Anderson working for Danfoss. This is the first of a series of short podcasts written by one of my friends and colleagues uh, from the UK, Glenn Moore. He's been with Danfoss for many years as a technical field service and support manager. He's now doing consultancy and troubleshooting on refrigeration systems, mostly in the UK. Glenn has written several technical articles in magazines over the years. And you can still meet him, among other places, in the refrigerationengineer.com online forum. The odd case of the Australian condenser. I was commissioning an air conditioning unit on a rooftop in Piccadilly, London, when I noticed something odd at the adjacent roof. There were two Searle Bush vertical air-cooled condensers side by side. One was piped as normal, but the other was somewhat unconventional. The liquid outlet came from the top of the condenser instead of the bottom. That is, it had been piped upside down. This caused some merriment back at our depot, as the system could never be made to work like that. A few days later on the same side, I saw an engineer looking at the condensers, very puzzled. He disappeared into the building before re-emerging some time later and still scratching his head. I eventually walked over and asked him what the problem was. He told me the saga of the two units. One system had always worked fine. The other unit, pointing at the Australian condenser, had never worked since it was installed nearly three years earlier. He and his colleagues had been to and fro to the plant, charging it, taking out the charge, adjusting this, adjusting that, and still it did not work. When I pointed out that the condenser was upside down with the liquid outlet connection at the top, he still could not see the problem. I explained that before liquid would come out of the condenser, you would have to fill it right up to the top with liquid refrigerant, which would make the condenser a liquid subcooler and no longer a condenser. This was the reason for putting refrigerant in, then having to remove it from the system since the compressor kept tripping on a high-pressure cutout. He eventually called his service manager, who agreed that this condenser was indeed upside down. After changing the connection from the top of the liquid header to the bottom, the system worked perfectly. Bubbles inside glass can sometimes be deceptive. One lunchtime I was called to attend an urgent breakdown at a London Zoo. One of the aquarium chillers had failed and the fish were beginning to suffer. On site, an angry manager showed me the chillum and told me what had happened that morning. It transpired 
that one of my colleagues had been called out to the chiller due to raised water temperature. According to the site engineer, a large bottle of gas was charged into the system. But since the engineer had left the site, the plant had stopped completely. I tested the control circuit and found the plant tripped on the high pressure cutout. I reset the switch and the plant restarted, but immediately the discharge pressure began to rise towards the high pressure setting. Before the plant tripped again, I ran my hand around the water-cooled condenser shell and the fault became obvious. The plant was overcharged. But why had my colleague put so much gas in the plant in the first place? Luckily, the empty gas bottle was still on site, so I decanted some of the excess charge back into the bottle. At this point, the side glass began to bubble furiously, although I could still feel excessive refrigerant backed up in the condenser. After decanting more charge, I managed to pump the rest of the refrigerant into the condenser, allowing me to remove the liquid line filter. It was caked in thick brown material, similar to dried rust. I wire brushed it clean and refitted it, and the plan ran. I removed a, f a few more kilos of gas, then I was satisfied that all was okay. Later in the week, I discussed the problem with my colleague. He had thought that the system was short of gas because the side glass was bubbling. Not realizing there was an inline filter before the side glass. It highlights the fact that a side glass should only be used as a guide, since it is not only gas shortage that can give rise to bubbles. Condensers can pose problems in both summer and winter for different reasons. One such problem I encountered was at a soft drink canning plant, where a carbo cooler was reported to have lost its refrigerant charge. I was called in to find the leak and get the system running again. The carbo coolers run on ammonia, but the request for the service call was not deemed an emergency, which seemed pretty odd. As he could see no liquid in the search drum side glass, and his syrup slash water mixture temperature was too high. The plant consisted of a package unit with a water-cooled condenser connected to an outside cooling tower. According to the manager, no one had smelled the leak, which did not make sense as anyone who has worked with ammonia will tell you. After quickly looking over the units, the first thing that caught my eye was that the shell of the water-cooled condenser was sweating. I felt the unit. It was freezing cold, and so was the flow and return water pipes to the cooling tower. I suspected that the refrigerant had migrated to the coolest, coldest spot, in this case the condenser. 
I checked the cooling tower, the fan was running, and the water was circulating with the ambient temperature at minus 5 degrees Celsius. Consequently, the condenser water on temperature was just below 0 degrees Celsius. I immediately turned the pump and fan off and returned to the unit indoors. With no water flow through the condenser, the condensing temperature slowly rose and eventually liquid started to reappear in the surge drum. At this stage, the pump was turned on to circulate the condenser water, but the fan was left on. The condenser water stayed at a fairly cool temperature purely by heat loss to the cold ambient. I left the site and returned with the thermostat for controlling the cooling tower fan. This kept the cooling tower pond temperature closer to a normal condensing temperature, not at a temperature lower than the operating point of the evaporator, which in this case was plus degree, 3 degrees Celsius. I advised the customer that a water regulating valve on the condenser would further improve the operation of the plant. But this would have been done at a time when the plant could be closed shut down to have the pipework modified. I was called to a plastic factory in the summer to check on their three water-cooled chiller units as the condenser pressure relief valves kept blowing and constantly losing the system charge. Upon checking the units, I found the high-pressure switches set to a higher trip point than the relief valve settings. On running the plants, all three units were found to operate with an abnormally high discharge gauge. On checking the condenser water flow on these units, I found all three were connected wrongly. Water-cooled units must have the condenser water flowing into the bottom of the condenser and leaving from the top. The reason is that a water-cooled condenser acts as a liquid receiver as well. Most such units have a few tubes in the bottom of the condenser for subcooling the liquid lying in the shell. The coldest water must be used for this purpose. If the water flow comes in the top and out of the bottom, the water in the subcooling tubes will be hot. The hot water makes the liquid refrigerant boil, causing flashing or bubbles in this liquid line side glass. To stop this, people sometimes add more charge, which starts to fill the condenser and results in an increase in discharge pressure. After correcting the condenser pipework, the high pressure switch was reset 1.5 bar below the re relief valve setting and the charge in the unit was reduced to a normal working joule with a few degrees of subcooling and no bubbles in the side glass. No more problems. We would greatly appreciate feedbacks and suggestions to future refrigeration topics or if you have specific questions to this episode please leave a comment on the Chilling with Jens SoundCloud page. I look forward to hearing from you. We would also appreciate it if you would like, if you would click like, share and repost 
to help us spread the word about chilling with the and evaporative refrigeration. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, stay cool. This podcast was brought to you by Danfoss Cooling. Please feel welcome to visit us at danfoss.com and maybe sign up for some of our cool e-learning classes. Thank you. (laughs) 